Hey, good morning, church. Good morning, good morning, good morning, church. Good morning, church. The word justice, the word justice. Now, what comes to mind when you think of the word justice? Now, do me a favor. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, what comes to mind for the word justice? You had a 30, 40 second of just a good stand-up time, and maybe you met someone that's new or behind you or in front of you. And uh, go ahead, let them know, like, what do you think about what comes to mind for the word justice? Now, for some of you, here are some things when I would think of the word justice. Now, I went in around and, and uh, I asked some of our members of our church right now to, uh, um, to have these word affiliation. I gave them a sticky note. And these are the words that come to mind when I think of the word justice. Now, humanly, it's pretty simple. When I think of the word justice, it comes to think about unjust. Because there are a lot of things that are unjust that's happening, that's going around in our world right now. And these are some of the things that are unjust right now. That comes to mind. So if I read these words and you have this, come up and I want you to put it in this charcoal dust ash can. And you can put it in there, okay? And these are the words that come to mind. People of color, subculture, systems, churches, a friend in need, the encampment of kids at the U.S.-Mexico borders, your kids' school's PTA, being homeless, refugee, Our U.S. court system and law system, is it abuse? How about your roommate? The marginalized? The poor? Is it your sexuality? The healthcare system? Equality? And there are probably tons more that's being named right now that I dare not say what they are or dare I say that of what you experienced. Now as these justice notes are being put in here, Sometimes it's a little bit easier when you're able to put a name or a person. Or, hey, I, I see them before. Aren't you in the fellowship hall? Or I see you around in church. Aren't you up on the stage? Or aren't you at the dad's camp or the women's refresh retreat? You know, how can all of, all of this, all of this be redeemed? How can injustice become justice? And you see, I wrestle with this question a ton. And you know what I ask? You know, and you know what? one of the main persons that came to me and says, all right, if you wrestle with this on, what do you want to do about it? So God told me, he says, all right, on if you're wrestling with justice, then I want you to put these shoes on right here. Pretty simple. And I want you to take steps towards me. And it doesn't begin with just physically with your feet, but with your heart. The first step is in your heart, are you going to recognize that there are things in this world that are unjust right now that needs justice to show up. And so God says, this is where you're going to go. And this is what you're going to do with your heart and these shoes. It was in Hawaii. A good place to uh, find justice. Yes. Amen. For me, it was a little refuge for my family and I. I decided to climb the Cocoa Crater Trailhead by myself, five in the morning, just me. And this is from here. It looks really small. It's like a little hill. Like, what are, this, this, this is nothing. Like, what is this? Well, it's not really nothing. 
It's about a thousand steps up on this old railroad track that's made for World War II. Different parts of it, 40-foot drops, unstable railings, and this is in the pitch dark. See, these steps that I began taking by myself, there was a lot of weight. I was carrying a lot of things that were done injustice to me and what I realized around me. But each time I climbed these steps, I got closer to heaven. Just one step at a time. And it was painful to realize that there's no way that I could do these steps alone. There was somebody with me doing it. And this is my reward. This amazing, beautiful sunrise hike by myself. It was, it was as if I just reached out and God was right there touching my hand back. It was just amazing. It was just amazing. Now being up there, I did a couple of things. I realized that I had to walk back down. <laughs> another, ten, another 1,050 steps back down. But what I realized at that moment right there, I could sit there and come to the Lord and ask him, more about justice. As I sat there and I read Psalms 88, I cried my eyes out. The psalm was so deep and so intimate, so raw, but every single emotion and pain a person can go through. And I wept so loud. And the very next psalm, Psalms 89, was a joy, an amazing gift of God's promises, of what he's to come and what's to do that allowed me to wipe away my tears, have a joy, have a smile, have confidence to head back down. As I was walking by, I noticed a prayer box hidden, literally it was hidden in the bushes. And it says, we are a prayer box. And it was stuffed. I brought paper, I brought pen, and you bet you I put a lot of prayers in there, a whole lot of prayers. As I was on the way going back down, this was my journey down. These here are people walking slowly down. You go this way, and I parked on this side. <laughs> it was a long walk back. As I looked down, there was a tremendous task of getting down safely. I got down safely. I didn't sprain an ankle. I did fall once. As I fell about two feet, I landed on my foot. I looked around, and I just caught myself. And I said, I didn't say a bad word. I just said, praise the Lord. As I headed down. This is the same steps that I began early in the morning. These are the same steps I came down. And I couldn't help it that as I was coming down, I was encouraging, saying hi to people, wanting them to know that they could finish it, wanting them to know that they could do this, wanting to know that there is people around you, and maybe they don't even know you, that are going to encourage you and love you and pursue you. And it's simply just a hike of the Cocoa Crater Trailhead in Hawaii at 5 in the morning. You know, as I was talking to people, as I was encouraging them and lifting them up, my wife was up. You see, I left at 4.30 in the morning. And by the time that I left and finished this hike, I called her. And she said to me, I've been up the whole time. 
She didn't say that she was worried about me, but I knew she was worried about me. And she said, I couldn't sleep. It's an amazing what God does to people in your life that allow you to know what's going on. She knew that I was there. She couldn't sleep. Don't worry. I had to find my friends. I gave my location to two of my closest friends, too, and I said, if you see me stuck on this mountain and I don't move for a couple minutes, you need to call somebody, okay? You know, we have a choice daily, right? A choice daily to take one step to justice. Because if we take one step in a direction, right, especially in a new direction, we can respond to injustice with justice. Now, this justice I'm talking about, it's not just any regular justice. It has to be this justice in the gospel. And what does this gospel promise us? You see, new beginnings have what? What, what it brings to you? New beginnings allow you to begin. Take one step to justice. Church, my name is On. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're new here, I want to welcome you. And for some of you here, I haven't seen you for a while. It's been, it's been a while. This morning, as we gather as a family, a community, and as human beings, right, let's see how justice leads us to imagine why heaven is so needed that heaven is not needed. We are on week four, and it's not called story or setup. Uh, this morning, we're talking about dust to glory. Dust to glory. And on the way down from this cocoa crater trail, for me to remember this hike, I'm super sentimental. I just grabbing like bark, dirt, and leaves, and I have it with me today. And uh, the, Hawaii, the Hawaii Agriculture State did not, comp- you know, did not take this from me. They didn't steal it from my luggage. They did take my apple, though, that I tried to take back. This right here reminds me of where I've been, what I've done. And what steps forward am I taking? And for you, what is the step that God's asking you to take to justice? Church, as we are going through a new series called, as we are going through this new series, Ecclesiastes simply has been giving us a better posture of what it means to understand work, understand our time, our pleasure, and why everything is just not just meaningless, right? Everything has meaning when we put our hope in God. And the message that nothing matters really matters when we do have God. So church, will you pray with me this morning as we go into his time in the word to know more about justice? Let's pray. There, God, allow some crazy goodness of your word to speak into the hearts of your creation today. To move not into just to where they're sitting at and being, but to move their hearts, Father, Lord, to take this step because you are good. And all God chose to say, amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 16 to chapter 4, verses 3. Moreover, I have seen under the sun that in the place of justice there is wickedness, and in the place of righteousness there is wickedness. I said to myself, God will judge both the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time appointed for every matter and for every deed. I said to myself regarding the sons of men, 
God is surely testing them in order for them to see that by themselves, without God, they are only animals. Hmm. For the earthly fate of the sons of men and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so does the so dies the other. Indeed, they have indeed they all have the same breath, and there is no permanence or advantage for man in and of himself over an animal. For all is vanity; all go to the same place. All came from the dust, and all returned to the dust. Who knows if the spirit of man ascends upward, and the spirit of the animal descends downward to the earth? So I have seen that there is nothing better than that a man should be happy in his own works and activities, for that is his portion. For who will bring him back to see what will happen after he is gone? Hmm. Then I looked again and considered all the facts of oppression that were being practiced under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. And on the side of the oppressors was power, but they had no one to comfort them. So I congratulated and thought more fortunate are those who are already dead than the living who are still living. But better off than either of them is the one who has not yet been born, who has not seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. That is our scripture today. If you know Diana, I've seen her yesterday. Many of the women here were on a refresh retreat. They took a step to be together in the wonderful hills of Hayward. Um, what is going on right now in this scripture? What is going on that we just read? Now, here are some observations from this text. From this text. Is that the preacher or teacher and his, uh, all the historians and theologians probably are, are saying this is probably Solomon, believe that there is a frustration in injustice of not only how it's done, but how it goes unpunished. There's a sadness before the preacher now, this teacher now, saying that who's going to bring this oppression to an end? And they are sad. Now, in this context, there are two people. There are those who are oppressed and they're oppressors. And they actually switch. Sometimes you could be each other. Hopefully not in the same place or season, but you could be oppressed and be the oppressor and vice versa. Now, here we understand and we see that God doesn't just choose a side of justice or injustice. You see, this is something that what God does here. God doesn't choose a side. He takes a stand against simply unjust. He just is with all of his powers. See, for God, it's not about one part of justice. It's all justice. Nothing is left out. So if we have an understanding that this scripture right here talks about justice, we've got to have a better understanding of what is biblical justice. What does this mean? And in our world today and right now, and the climax of what is going on in our nation and our world, justice is something that we talked a lot. We tweet about it. We see it. We write it. Maybe in schools you're fighting for. And the things that are come up that we just, it's part of our identity for some Maybe for you, you're in law, you're a, court, you're a judge. Maybe for you, you're part of different things that we talked about that are unjust that we feel that maybe are big things to small things. But this is what God sees of justice. The God that we serve under knows that there is a good and there's a bad. So God created justice as his bedrock for all the humans to be what before God? To be equal to be right with him, 
to be treated each other with dignity and respect and fairness. Because that's what God's desire for justice is. Now we as humans, right, it's a little bit different. We redefine good and evil at our own advantage, at the cost of each other, even to ourselves. So there's a cycle that happens of oppression and being oppressors, and it's real because we're all guilty of this. Now, this is something that God does. He knows that this is happening right now in our world. So what does he do? He brings this word and brings it in flesh called righteousness. What happens when there's righteousness and justice? Well, this is what happens. God gives this gift of his son, Jesus, that breaks the cycle because he was perfect. He died on our behalf as sinners. So then God declared Jesus, his son, to be righteous, to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead and offered his life to the guilty so they could be declared right before God for not everything that they have done, but what Jesus has done for them was on the cross. There was no merit. It was His grace. It was free. It was a gift. So if we receive this righteousness that we didn't deserve it, right, we ought to give it to others that seek it too, right? So this righteousness and justice for others is not something that is easy or convenient. It actually creates more problems than other problems. And it's a commitment And so when the term you say that love your neighbor as yourself, it is really, really hard to do. So justice is something that you were made right before God and his son and is really hard to do. The Lord requires us to do justice, love mercifully, and walk humbly with God. The Lord requires us to do justice, to love with mercy, and to walk humbly with God. When I read this, I said, wait a minute. Are you saying that I cannot fight for justice to all the people that have wronged my family's name, and I can't seek to revenge their honor, like in all those martial arts movies that I've ever seen in my entire life? The answer was yes. It's in every single Karate Kid movie, every Jet Li movie, every single movie with Jackie Chan, there's always this honor you got to fight for justice, right? It's like for me in my neighborhood growing up, right? If you steal my bike, you steal the car. If you take my money, right, I'm going to do something to you. There's just, it's just this really weird way of seeing justice, right? And for some of you, you grew up, Maybe on the different part of town. Maybe you grew up in the birds. Maybe some of you grew up in a different country where justice has a different meaning to it, right? And it's culturally, it's contextually, it's whatever it is. For me, I grew up on the east side of San Jose. And there are some really hood things you did because if you want to find justice, you don't call the police. You call Ray Ray. You call John. My favorite, my friend, I call Tyrone, okay? Tyrone. I'm not going to explain Tyrone to you. Just knowing the name, that sounds scary enough, right? Now, from the text, I want to highlight three justice truths that we just read. And what is justice for us? And what is God's justice and his stance on justice that means more than my justice, our justice? And the first one is justice is judged. 
justice is judged. Now, verse 17, it says this. It says, I say to myself, God will judge both the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time appointed for every manner and for every deed. The preacher here says that those who are right, those who are wrong, they're going to be judged equally. And they're not going to be judged by Tyrone or me or Ray Ray. They're being judged. God will answer this problem of injustice because he is the judge. Not a man. Not you or me. Because it's easy for us to what? To want to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner, right? I think there's a movie too, right? With Sylvester Stallone called Judge Dredd, right? It's like this futuristic movie where he comes as this cop and he tries to break down these social injustices going on in this like Gotham, dark city, right? And like, you know, like, he has this, like, one saying, like, you know, like, I am the law, right? And it's really cheesy. If you YouTube it, you find it. And I guarantee you that he's there. But right here, there must be a time for justice. And there is a time for justice. But the time for justice is that it's not our time. It's God's time. Look, it is very difficult to not be angry and not to see that there are people who are oppressed. There are struggles of injustice, there's violence against women, there's children, there's corruption, there's wars, and many other injustices that we see that are right now that are happening. And the person here says there's even injustice in places that are right, like our churches, our court system, our schools, our 401k people that we trust our money to, even in places of work, charities, you name it. But we can trust God to make things right in the end. This is the word, in the end. Because justice will be had, period. Does it mean that we stop to fight for oppression? No. As a matter of fact, we actually pursue justice. Since he is the judge who, who doesn't take bribes, God is a judge who cannot be fooled, God is a judge that does not make mistakes. God is a judge who never lets settlement or public opinion sway him. But God is a judge that will give us the gospel. And that he will give us his righteousness because of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, there are injustices in places where there is supposed to be justice. And God says, I know. But I will judge it. Not you. Not you. God is not the ultimate cheat code to life because God is life. You know, everything will be judged, it says in Ecclesiastes 12, 14, at the very end. And it says here in Habakkuk 2.3, this is my favorite book, and some of you probably even know this Habakkuk, right? It says, justice is delayed, but it will come slowly. It doesn't matter if you're from the east side of San Jose, or you're from a different country, or you're from the verbs, justice will come on God's timing and his place, and he's the one that's going to judge. So justice is judged by our God. So if justice is judged, that's one. What's next? Justice is dead. Justice is dead. Now, verse 19 to 21, it says this. It says, for the, And for the earthly fate of the sons of man and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies 
the other. Indeed, they all have the same breath, and there is no preeminence or advantage for man in and of himself over an animal. For all is vanity. 20. All go to the same place. All come from the dust and return to the dust. Who knows that the spirit of man ascends upward and the spirit of animal descends downward to the earth. Chapter 3 begins a time. In chapter 3, 2, it says, a time to be born and time to die. You know, when justice is dead, what does this mean? You know, part of, uh, part of who we are as people is that we have something called character. And the way that justice really answers our character is that it tests our character. Because a lot of us have a certain character, and I think we don't build up to our character. It reveals our character when things take place and things happen. And justice is part of this process for us to build our character. Because if we're made in the image of God, we are supposed to be distinguishing ourselves from creatures just like animals. But what is our preacher teacher saying here? It says in this specific text, it says that people die just like animals. We meet the same faith. Death is the ultimate equalizer. We are not all going to live forever. You know, the Bible's strongest sentiment of this inevitable death to come is that we go back to the dust that we were made that says in Genesis 3.19, life is not forever, though we want it to be, and we're given the same breath as our creator like the animals. So when he says that all is vanity, means that all is meaningless, all means nothing. What he's really saying is that means that nothing lasts. Nothing lasts. A decay or mold will go away. It'll be stolen, it'll be burned, it'll be gone, it'll be missing. But all the vanity means that it is only a mere breath. If you live in San Francisco, there's this fog that runs in, it comes out. In the mornings when I was in San Jose, in the cold mornings, I didn't have a jacket to wear in the morning, I would see my breath going to school and I'd say, and, and I think every single kid has done this, right? Pretend that you're smoking, right, in the cold, right? But all is vanity, that means that we cannot be attached to the things that we have in this world. You know, when I think about death, I think of this, womb to tomb. And I think about death every day. I think about it all the time, actually. I have two daughters, and they are amazing. Karis, who is eight, about to turn nine, and Addie, who is four. Yes, my daughter and I, we had our moment. We were watching Akila and the Spelling Bee. And this is the part when the doctor says that he doesn't want to coach her anymore because she went to the mall and got him a gift. And he says, I cannot coach you anymore because I can't do it anymore because it reminded him of his own daughter. I looked to the right and my daughter was crying. She's tearing up. And then I just motioned her to come sit with me. And we both cried together on the couch. And we sat there and we just were just in comfort with one another. I knew that he was going to be her coach again, but she didn't know that. And I said, she didn't have to go to the mall. She didn't have to buy that gift. She should have studied those 5,000 words to by herself. And she did. You know, when we think about death, I think about the people that I will lose. Sometimes I think about my own death. And can I be there for my own funeral and see what the words are going to be said? How are people going to react if I respond? I don't think it's morbid. I think it's just a fact that one day I will not be here. 
one day that I'm not going to possibly be here for certain things that I want to be a part of in my family's life, in my children's life, in my wife's life. We had a cat a couple weeks ago that passed away. It was a cat that belonged to our sister-in-law from Japan. And I'm just going to be real with you. I was waiting for her to die. Look, it's not my cat. I'm just being real with you. I'm coming here to preach the word, and i got to be truthful to you. Every day, scooping litter and poo and all that in the garage and caring for it, it's, just, it's a lot of work. And on top of that, this cat gave our daughter crazy flare-up eczema. So it had to stay in the garage. And what was even more crazy was that I had to be the one that brought it to the vet. I had to be the one that called each on and said, babe, it's not going to make it. So I'm in there, doctor's office, in this veterinarian place, and I had to make a decision for the cat. And you all know what's going on in my head. I'm trying not to be happy. I'm just sitting there, and I said, yes, that is totally fine. I am the decision maker. It is fine. And the decision to made was that to put it to be comfort, to put it to be out. And we just didn't put it out because it was out, right? The cat had a disease. The cat was old. The cat lived for 15 years, y'all. That's a long, long time. So this animal had the same fate as us, and it died. One of my, one of my really amazing friends, um, this past year, his mom passed away of cancer. Being with him was one of the toughest things. And being with him and seeing him get married while his mom was alive was amazing. To see his parents there. His parents would do tai, tai chi, like tai chi in Dublin, in the park that played basketball. I see him for all these years. And last week, um, his dad passed away of cancer as well. All in one year. I grieved with him. I sat with him. I, I didn't know how to walk with him. But I was just there. And I just remember the first time he told me that his mom and his parents were wrestling with cancer at the same time. What do you do? What do you say? Do we look at God and say, God, what kind of justice is this? No. We put back our faith into him. He is such a strong believer. He's a strong man of God. To see him in his first year of his marriage, to see him lose both his parents, and we check up each other every day. I send him a text. And this is justice, because in justice there is death. Yesterday, one of our dear youth, one of my daughter's godfathers, lost his mom to cancer as well. Last week, this yesterday we were supposed to do their engagement ceremony. I was supposed to be there to see him engage with his fiance, with his mom. And she was rapidly declining from cancer. But she didn't make it. Every day on the phone with him to encourage him, to love him, brought me these emotions and feelings What I wrestled with Ivan, that I wrestled with him the same following week. 
when I called him. Is this what justice is? Is this what, is this the way it is? I don't know. I do know this. The scripture here says there in verse 21 and 22, it says that who knows, maybe the soul of a man goes up and the spirit of the animal is just dead and doesn't go anywhere. Later on in the book of Jonah, the king, the Caesarean king of Nineveh, prays the same thing. Maybe, maybe we are, maybe if God is compassionate, maybe God is kind, maybe God is who he is, he will forgive us. He will not destroy Nineveh. He doesn't destroy Nineveh. And this God, that his preacher and preacher is thinking and hoping that this was going to happen. It does. You see, who is going to show us that there is life after death? There's a hint. It's Jesus. The scripture goes on and says, if we don't know if we're going to do this life after heaven, then we should just go on and keep working. And being in the Bay Area, right, one of the things that we do best in the Bay Area is, right, is work. And we work a lot. That's why we call Silicon Valley, right? It's called one of the most expensive places in the world to live. Our housing is ridiculous. Where money is sometimes no object. And this preacher and teacher says, you know, I, said, I don't know. I'm just going to go. What I do best, I'm just going to go to work. It doesn't pray. It doesn't lament. Right? God will unite us in the grief of death of the loved ones and the people that are no longer on earth if they made a decision for Jesus. You see, in Ecclesiastes in 12.7, it says that the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gives it. Now, there are things in this, this trash can that are just paper, right? And ashes to ashes and dust to dust, and we will return back to it. And so, Dust is not ash, and ash is not dust. Is that when we pass away, our human bodies literally becomes dust. Same as the animals, too. Now, I literally just grabbed this out, and this is insane. So one injustice here, it says health care system. And for some of you, maybe the health care system for you is something that is unjust. Maybe for some of you, that is something. I'm going to start a fire. Okay, it's embers. Maybe for some of you, there is going to be an ash. There is going to be dust. And there is going to be death. I don't know. Is this where that there is injustice can be made into dust? into glory, and I would say yes. So if we know where we're going, right, after we die and it's up, then something, then everything has meaning. Because everything means something to, to our Lord. And it's true. Here's the last point. The last point says that justice is alive. Justice is judged. Justice is dead. Justice is alive. And into this says, then I look again and consider all the acts of oppression that have been practiced under the sun. And behold, I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. 
And on the side of their oppressors was power, but they had no one to comfort them. So I congratulated and thought, more fortunate are those who are already dead than living who are still living. Three, better off than neither of them is the one who has yet been born or has not even seen the evil deeds that are under the sun. Verses 3, 7 says this, a time to keep silent, a time to speak. The term under the sun is used a lot here because what it's saying is that life is meaningless if we live for just for ourselves. Without gratitude to regard to God and our own ways, human beings are in a sense serving ourselves. There's nothing else. Cycle of being oppressed and oppressors and then we die and there's more people and the cycle continues and continues and continues. But here's the deal. But if we get to live in Christ for justice, it means that we need to be alive. I met this young man who has his heart for justice. He has a heart for God. And you might be thinking, is he working for Peace Corps? Is he out there at certain places picketing and protesting? Is he working for an NGO that is doing amazing things like save the whales or there is these polar caps that are melting? No. He works for Lockheed Martin. He has his heart to love his co-workers that don't know Jesus. And every Friday, every other Friday, he invites them over to their house. He works nine-hour shifts for two weeks. On the Friday he has off, he invites them over and he has a meal with them. An intentional, crazy, all-out, crazy meal with them. And I happened to be there this past Friday. And I met Gary. I met Joe. I met this crazy Russian name that I'm not going to butcher because I'm gonna, not going to say it. And then I met Tom. And we sat. And we had fellowship. And we broke bread. And they were telling me about AV, HVAC, whatever they were doing in Lockheed that was classified or whatever they're doing, I had no idea. I just nodded and said, that's cool. That's amazing. While this amazing brother was going back and forth, making the steak, making salad dressing from scratch, had a crock pot to my jambalaya, and I, he said, man, I'm so glad you were there because you just kept them busy, and you know that like, I just want to love them, and I'm just so glad. And one of the guys, Tom, says, "On, what do you do for work? I did my best. To say that I just work with people. And I hung out with people. I didn't say that I had coffee with people. That seems like I'm lazy, okay? (laughs) And he didn't ask anything more. That was what his justice is. That's why he's alive. If he wasn't alive, he wouldn't be having a meal with these amazing guys that don't know Jesus. That worked at Lockheed. Because he has his heart for them, for justice. God has given, through, given you through a person and a work of his son, Jesus, who's, who is alive. He's our comforter. Verse 322, he's asked to say that he is the person that comes back from the dead to go forward. He is the one that's on the cross. He is risen. Hebrews eleven thirty five says this. It says, rise again to a better life. Not to a worse life. Not to a meaningless life. Not to a life of vanity where everything doesn't matter because it's just what you can make 
and buy and have and be delivered to you prime to your house. Jesus is alive by his death and resurrection means that you get to go down into the dust of death. You arise again to glory because the glory is in heaven where God, his son, Jesus, has prepared and is waiting for us. You see, the grace of God is that we can rejoice in his work and wait for the day of judgment. You see, if you have faith and there's a hope to persevere in the face of injustice and oppression, heaven is important. Justice is important. So what can you do? What about us? What are we going to leave today? What's going to happen when money comes around? If you're willing to love so well in justice, so well, it makes people feel so uncomfortable that they're just not ready for you and the ways you want to give them heaven that is above, that's okay. If you're going to love with no boundaries and no apologies, you should do it. Speaking of coffee, I was having coffee the other day. I was being lazy, sure. I was reading a book. This book happens to be a Christian literature book. And I noticed somebody reading the same book. They were on the other side. I confirmed it by creepingly, stalking, walking by their table to see if that's their book. And it was. I had to meet up with another person. God says, on, it's Friday, get this person a cookie. I was like, all right. This is really awkward, though. I had my meetup. I went to go get the cookie. I spent 10 minutes standing there, rather asking myself, do I give this person a cookie or not? This feels really weird. That I'm going to go up to them and go, I don't know you. you. We're reading the same book, and here's this cookie. So I did what any person would do. I stood, stood by the trash can on my phone, tried to look sly and cool, like blending like all of the techies that were there too. And it worked for up to like nine minutes. And I said, I got to go. And so because if that person sees me, it's really weird that they're like, you've been standing there with that cookie you were going to give me 10 minutes ago. Why didn't you just come give it to me, okay? So I grabbed the cookie. I went to the person and I said, hey, you don't know me. I just want to give you this cookie. They looked up at me. They didn't look I was crazy or anything, okay? And the first response was, that is so sweet of you. And they were kind of shaking and trembling. And I said, hey, we're reading the same book. And I just noticed, and I just want to give you an encouragement and, and, and bless your Friday. And she was just, she was just, still, she was still shaking. She smiled. And uh, you know me in awkwardness. I said, have a good Friday. And uh, I just, I didn't run out. I wanted to run out. I just walked away. You know, maybe for you, maybe for you it's time for, for us to do greater things in his name for justice. And maybe for you and me, it's time to leave the safeties of our homes. To leave the safety of ourselves. And maybe it's the very same pews that we've been sitting in on Sundays to do amazing things for our God. Just maybe. 
trusting the King of Kings, the Savior of the world, it takes one step to justice because it starts with your heart. And if you just give one step, I guarantee you today as you leave here, it's for a reason and it's for a purpose. You know, at the, at the Cocoa Crater Trailhead, at the end of the hike, there's this, there is this line of shoes. This is line. And when you accomplish this hike, you get your shoes and you want to toss it over the top. I was so tempted to toss my shoes over there. I was like, I'm done. I am finished. I want to be just like them and make this worthy tag in this picture. And I'm going to come back and see it. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. Because throwing your shoes means that you're done. It means that you accomplish one hill and that's it. I said no. As I finished FaceTiming each on, I said, I am so renewed. It's, it's just an amazing walk. She says, well, I've been here trembling, up, tired, weary. Well, she didn't say that. I could see from her face. But I want to be back at this hike again. I want to take more steps with God, not on just this mountain, but in any mountain that he calls me to take one step up to him. There's this quote that I really enjoyed, and it says, it sounds simple, telling people to work hard and never quit. But to really execute and demonstrate these principles, take discipline and faith. These are the two factors that I believe separate the good from the great and from the success from the failures. Nipsey Hussle is an artist who passed away this year in violence down in South, South Central LA in front of his own entrepreneur shop. And this brings true because God in his boundless mercy has given us his guarantee that his only begotten son who is made to be in sin and curse for us in our place on the cross, in order that he might give satisfaction for us, may write for us to seek justice for all. And church, what mountain is God going to ask you to start climbing? To take a step in the right direction. What mountain is going to call for you to seek justice? For the lost, for the oppressed, for the downtrodden, for the poor. Church, let's pray. Lord, as we come before you, as we come before you to try to process all of this, what does it mean? What does it look like? How do we do it? How do we, Father Lord, take upon you Take upon you to see that, Father, you are good, that you are an amazing God, that you want justice for all. And the justice that you want for all, Father, Lord, is found in you as a judge, in death, and made alive. So, Father, Lord, maybe some of us here, Father, feel like we have been done injustice. 
and we are oppressed. Maybe some of us felt we are the oppressors. We've caused many injustices. But how amazing is it, Father Lord, that you, creator of the world, would give our son named Jesus Christ on our behalf, who was perfect, who was right, but did no sin for our injustice, for who we are, made righteous before you, made perfect for you. And we get this opportunity to come before you daily to begin new beginnings with one step. Because, Father Lord, we got to start somewhere. We got to begin somewhere. As we respond to you, Father Lord, the prayer team is in the back as prayer warriors. Maybe it's your neighbor that you talked to about justice. They could pray for you and be with you. And as we spend this time to respond to you, Father Lord, may you knock on our heart and remind us, Father Lord, that you are here right now. And may you do some crazy things. May you do some crazy things with people, Father Lord. Not in the name of justice, but in the name of God. Because you, Father Lord, you, Father Lord, stand with justice, not just some of it, but all of it.